We're three weeks into 1 John. Um, and I, I want us to be able to find 1 John in the Bible. Have people got their Bibles and um, their apps, their devices with the, the Bible on? Because we're just going through the book. We're just going through what this book teaches. As Duncan shared, um, it's from the Apostle John. It's one of his books to the church. He was a dying apostle. He'd got old and he wanted to, the world to know the message of actually, I have seen Jesus. I have walked with Jesus and this is how you should walk as well. And so he wanted that, that message to remain in the church. It was an encouragement to the church. And, and it's the same John that run the, ran, uh, wrote the Gospel John that wrote this. And, and a lot of the theme, and it comes up through this from 2.6 to 2.27, it comes up again, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. He uses that word three times, I think, through this passage alone that I'm going to be preaching on. And that was his whole thing. He wants us to abide in him. He wants us as his people on earth, his family on earth, to abide in him. To abide in him and abide in one another as well. He's put us together in this family. I had made a PowerPoint slide and it, it had the picture of Trinity on there. And it just said, you know, the, the family of God, how to live as the family of God on earth. But let's go, let's go. I'm going to read from 2.6. I'm just going to read a few verses to begin with. So 2.6. Starting at seven, sorry, not six. So it's the new commandment. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the very beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I'm just going to stop there for a minute because it's slightly confusing. It's an old commandment and a new commandment. Well, which is it, John? Is it a new commandment or is it an old commandment? Is it the same or is it changing? But I think the, the joy of it is it is an old commandment. The old commandment is talking about is the commandment that Jesus said was the greatest commandment of all. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and to love your neighbour as yourself. That's the commandment that John's referring to. And so it's, a, it's an old commandment. That's how Jesus summed up the law by those two verses. He said, this is what the law is. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's how Jesus summed up the whole law. And that comes from uh, Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. So it's not new, it's old. And there's a beauty to that because the Christian faith didn't just start with Jesus. The Christian faith is from the very beginning of time. It's an unchanging God who gives it. In John, he talks about God is light, God is love. God is unchanging, God is light and God is love. From the very beginning, he is unchanging and he wants the same message for his people. I am love and I want you to live in love. So it's the same old commandment that Jesus gives to us. So how is it a new commandment? Well, thankfully, there's a because in this. If you're reading, it says because it's a new commandment because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What does it mean? We are now living in a time post-resurrection. Beforehand, when the command was given, it was the old covenant. The old covenant was promises of God and law of God and this is how you should live. It was that you should love one another. But then Jesus came to earth. The Messiah came to earth. And he died on a cross for your sins. 
and he paid the price for you, and he rose, defeating death. And so the light had already come into the world to shine into the world. Darkness was being defeated by that cross, by Jesus on that cross. Darkness was being defeated. I just really took into this this one line because this one line basically says, we don't need to worry if it feels like there's darkness all around us. Because the truth is light is breaking into that darkness. It is light that is eternal and it's light that's breaking in. And what happened because of that cross and that resurrection, what they were waiting for before the cross and resurrection, the people, the Jews were waiting for the cross and resurrection because there was a promise in Joel that the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of us. He'd come and live in his sons and daughters and fathers and mothers and the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of us. That he would change our heart. Bruno preached on the the heart in the summer. The new covenant says that I am going to change your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. The new covenant did that. The new commandment, the, the resurrection did that for each one of us. So the spirit can come and live inside of us. He can empower us to live differently. So it's the old commandment, but it's made refreshed by the cross of Jesus Christ. By the life, death and resurrection of him. And therefore, him being able to pour the Spirit to, into our hearts to overflow and to live in, up, live in us. So that's how it's an old, renewed commandment that we're called to live in. So it's a commandment of love. Let's continue. So verse 8. And verse 8 says this. Oh, sorry, 9. If I could read... Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So this is the, we've got this command to live in love, and now John is going to work out a few processes. This is what I expect of you. This is how you live in love. You live in love by living in a family together, brothers and sisters it talks about, coming together and being brothers and sisters in Christ together. We are all brothers and sisters here. We are a family in this place. And Jesus said that actually as we come together as family, as we love one another in the way that we're called to love one another, the world will look on and they'll say, what is going on in that place? People who are different from one another, sitting beside each other. People who have different opinions, talking with one another and not hating one another. People who have had arguments but then come together and and are friends again because of the love of the family of God in this place. And Jesus says that will shine out to the world. And it will in this world that we live in, this world which is so divisive and so divided, the love of Christ, us loving one another will shine brightly to this world. Us forgiving one another and having grace for one another. The thing Jesus kept talking to me about as I, as I wrote this was forgiveness. I was brought back to this place of reflecting on forgiveness and how I'd been forgiven so much and how I was expected to go forward to forgive others. And I was was reminded of a story of a a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. 
I think most of you will probably know Corrie. Uh, she wrote a fantastic book called The Hiding Place. But Corrie was a Dutch Christian. Uh, she, she lived during the time of the Nazis. Um, and she used her time, she used her house to hide both Jews and the disabled who the Nazis were trying to kill. And she worked and she lived her life trying to, to work with the underground Christian network to try and overthrow the Nazis, but also to care for those uh, who the Nazis were trying to attack. Now, eventually she was reported and she was arrested by the, by the Nazis. Her, her sister Betsy and her dad were all arrested and taken into prison. Her, her, her father was quite unwell and he died quite quickly because of the treatment in prison. Um, then they had a trial and the, the Nazis found them guilty and sent the two girls to a concentration camp or a labor camp. I was listening to a sermon of Corrie the other day and, and Corrie just said the, the hardest thing in that concentration camp was the first time they, they stripped me naked and made me stand in a line of people who were naked while the guards went up and down mocking us and spitting on us and taking And I told my sister that I couldn't bear this. I can't bear this. This is too much for me. And she recorded how her sister said, remember your savior. Remember your savior who was stripped naked and nailed to a cross. Remember he suffered that. He took on that shame. He bore that for you because he loved you so much. And Corrie said that empowered her throughout the rest of her time in the concentration camp. As, as the guards were cruel to her, as they attacked her, they started, prison, uh, they started ministry in this place and they were leading services, Corrie and her sister. Uh, they'd snuck a Bible in and they were able to draw other people to Jesus. And then one day, uh, Corrie's sister got quite unwell, Betsy, and she actually died in the concentration camp. And then... It says in her book that it was an administrative error, but they released Corrie. All of a sudden, they just released her. And then the next week, all the women of her age in that concentration camp were sent to the gas chambers. A few years later, Corrie uh, was in a church in Germany, um, and a, a man came up to her. And he, and he said to her, oh, no, she looked at him and she recognized him. And it was one of the guards who had been one of the most cruel guards against her and Betsy. And this man said, I have found the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been forgiven my sins by my Savior. But I've been asking the Lord for an opportunity to repent and say sorry and receive forgiveness from one of those people that I was so cruel to. And here is the opportunity Corrie recorded how she stood there and she said, in her, in her heart, I don't want to forgive you. She was reminded of her sister who was cruelly, and her dad who had died. Both of them had died. It's like, I don't want to forgive you. And then she was reminded of Romans 5, 5. God brought it to her mind, which says that I have shed my Holy Spirit into your hearts to strengthen you and give you the power and she said in that moment, she held out her hand and she took hold of his hand and she said, I forgive you. And she said the power of love that surged through her in that moment and him, she's never experienced anything like it since. Corrie also went on then to, to use her home that had been a home to hide um, Jews and 
the disabled from the Nazis. She then went on to use her home to care for the, for the Nazis who had been injured in the war. And she went on to run a home where people, the Nazis were quite rejected by the German. Anyone who had served under the Nazis were rejected by the German people. And she used her home to welcome them in and to care for them. It's just phenomenal, isn't it? When you hear the stories of forgiveness and what forgiveness can do, when you're reminded of what forgiveness can do, and I just wanted to remind us that's what we're called to do amongst us. We're called to forgive one another. We're called to, to actively step into forgiveness like that. But it's a choice, and we have that choice. It's not always simple. I don't think Corrie's standing there, it was a simple thing. But the Holy Spirit can empower you to bring forgiveness in. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about, just forgiveness. I'm going to jump down to verse 15. The next thing John talks about is, do not love the world. So he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. There it is again, abiding. And it's talking about the abiding with God, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul and strength, and abiding with one another. It's about abiding together. And it says that actually we should be a people, the people of God, who don't love the things of the world, but love God, first and foremost. When I first read this, I got a bit confused a, few, a number of years ago, because I was like, oh, but John 3.16 is my favorite Bible verse, and it tells me that like, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I was like, oh, but, but it says don't love, the, don't love it, but do love it. And I think there is an element of that. I think there's a, an element of not loving the things of the earth, not loving the, the money, the riches, the, 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 the fame, the acclaim, but still loving God's creation and created order, still loving the people around us without wanting to, to build ourselves up in a platform for ourselves. It talks about us, us not loving the desires of the flesh, so the things that we feel that we want. Sometimes I want loads of biscuits. I know that's a desire of my flesh. I give into it sometimes. All the time. People are calling me out now. I'll repent. The desires of the eyes. So the things that we're looking at and we're thinking, oh, I want that. I want this. I want that. And the pride of life. It's talking about us abiding humbly with God. Loving God first, loving him first, putting him first. It's that first commandment. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And that stops you from loving your own fame and acclaim. That's the second part of this where John is saying, okay, love one another, live together. Don't love the world. Love God first. And then the third thing that he talks about. He's talking about warnings against the Antichrist. And it says, children, it is the last hour. This is verse 18. As you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. 
but they went out, that it might become plain that they, will, they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the, the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let, you, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. There's that word again, abide. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that is made to us, eternal life. There's a, a call again on love in this passage, and it's the love of truth. It's to, to love truth. We can get caught up in, oh, it says Antichrist, it's quite exciting, it's talking about the end times, that's fun. We can get channeled down that way, it's talking about the Antichrist, let's, oh, who's the Antichrist? Who's that? Oh, I think they're the Antichrist, oh, they're the Antichrist. But John wants to come against that now because he's saying actually, the thing that is pervading at the moment is the, the message of the Antichrist. And many people who are carrying it are taking it all over. And he wants to say, actually, this is how you recognize whether someone is bringing the message of the Antichrist. And, and it, it says here quite clearly, it's about truth. And it's about whether you respond to Jesus as the Christ, which means Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus as the promised one that, that was promised long ago who would come and live and die and resurrect for the sake of your sins. Anyone who's bringing a different message to that is spreading lies, is spreading untruth, is bringing the message of the enemy in. And what we have to do as Christians is we have to hold firm to that cross and resurrection. We have to hold firm that Jesus is God. That Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah that was promised long ago and came. We have to hold truth. We have to hold it. And we have to battle for it and fight for it. And we have to deny, actually, no, no, you're wrong to say that. You're wrong to say that. We were actually at the, we were at the Freshers' Fair the other week and we were having this really interesting conversation with the uh, ISOC, Islam Society. And they were talking about the Antichrist. I was like, you're talking about the Antichrist? <laughs> but, that, but you're spreading his message. <laughs> you're spreading the message that Jesus is not the one that Jesus said he was, that he's not the Messiah, that he's not the anointed one. That's the message that we're warned against. And we had this interesting conversation. I'd literally been preparing my preach, reading about the Antichrist, and, and they're, they're waiting for the Christ to come, and they're, they're looking out for the Antichrist now. And it's like, well... But there's many, and we have to watch out. And actually, this says, actually, that it wasn't an external party that John's warning them about. It's actually a party that were within the church that then got grips of another truth and went out of the church. And that's what he was writing. And actually, we need to hold on to this truth together and encourage each other in the truth of the gospel. There is nothing else that saves. Nothing else that transforms. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one else. There's no other way to the Father. If you don't have the Son, John says, you do not have the Father. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Son. But we have to do this in a loving way as we come together. We have to challenge each other. We have to provoke. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's not be harsh with one another, but let's have this open dialogue. Well, actually, is that true? Is that the truth? Are you believing in the truth? Or are you bringing and believing in a different message? Let's do it together. And the world will see that we're able to have those conversations. We're able to talk. And we're able to hold each other within the truth. And there's power in it. There's power within that. We had a really good conversation with the guys at the ISOC Society. I, I don't think I offended them. I maybe did, but they tried to offend me. So, <laughs> Just to put that out there. A uh, relationship was built. Um, we gave them Gospels. They gave us Korans. So nice little interchange, but it was good fun. Uh, and I, I'm praying that we have more of those conversations. I'm praying that we are emboldened to have more of those conversations, to have freedom, to have those discussions, because truth needs to be preached. And then finally, it just ends this way. So we've had three things. Becca spoke about the, um, the light of God. God is light. And she, she shared this picture of how the light was rising. And actually, as Christians, the light rises and it, and it displays things within us that God hasn't yet transformed. It displays things within us that we think, oh, God, I still need to see that changed within me. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe I've not been able to forgive someone. Maybe it's where I've not loved someone the way that I should love someone. Maybe it's that I've not held on to the truth in the way that I need to hold on to the truth. Maybe it is that I've loved something of the world and I've placed it in a higher place than God. And maybe the light has risen today in something inside of you and you think, actually, you know, I need to sort that out. And that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. The Spirit came to convict us of sin and to bring transformation in those areas. If that's been highlighted in you, it's because Jesus wants to transform something in your life. And it says here, right at the end, it says that he has anointed you. His anointing, and it will teach you everything. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, he comes to live inside of you and anoints you. And like Corey Corey did. She, she was anointed in that moment to bring forgiveness. Something that she said she couldn't do in her own strength. The anointing came upon her in order to bring forgiveness. And I believe the anointing is in this place today. I believe the Holy Spirit is here. And if he's highlighted something that has like, been inside of you of unforgiveness or bitterness or any of those things, that, you know, he wants to highlight them to transform them. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is in this place. He comes and lives in you. The power of the Holy Spirit reigns in you. He reigns in you. He, he has chosen you and anointed you because he loves you and cherishes you. He's, he's opened your eyes to the gospel because he loves you so much. And he opens your eyes to, to sin in your life because he loves you so much and wants to transform you. The Holy Spirit is in this place. I'm going to invite the band up. But I just want to, I want to pray for, for us, and I'd like to invite you to stand. And just respond now and just say, just, just close your eyes, no one's watching.
and just say, search my heart, oh God. Search my heart, oh God. Holy Spirit, convict me of sin. Holy Spirit, convict me, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in every crevice of my life. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in every part of me, Lord. My thinking, my feelings, my doing, Lord. I invite you in, Holy Spirit. Come and fill me to overflowing, Lord. Fill me to overflowing. And I, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for where I, where I haven't easily stepped into these things, Lord, where I haven't turned my back on sin, Lord. I'm sorry for that, Father. And I thank you that you're gracious and kind to forgive my sins, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're here to work and empower me. And I pray for each person over, over this room, Lord God, just giving you their things. Pour your power in, Lord. Pour your power. The gospel comes with power and authority. Pour your power in, Lord Jesus. Let us be changed and transformed, Lord God. Let your glory fall in power, Lord Jesus. We give it to you, Lord. We give it to you, Lord. We give ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I, I want to pray now for anyone where the gospel has grown dull to them. Lord, I pray that you would reawaken us, Lord. Reawaken us, Lord God, to see the glory of your cross, Lord Jesus. The glory of your resurrection, Lord. Reawaken us, Lord God, to see your light. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. From generation to generation, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.